Kicking and Streaming Podcast is brought to you by Cafe 1804. Premium Haitian coffee now available online at cafe1804.com. That's cafe, K-A-F-E, 1804.com. Yeah, so um, I, I'm glad that in this time, I have you, I have John, <laughs> who are friends who understand that, you know, when I say the things I say, I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking about John. I'm talking about the people who have purposefully rendered themselves blind to the situation. And now, and now are coming and saying, I didn't know this was happening, you know. And that's that's <laughs> I don't get it. Like, really? You did it? That's a little horseshit. If you if you were blind to this, then you were willfully blind to it. You were living in your bubble. Yes. You know, I have a thing about bubbles. Yeah. You were living in your in your happy little bubble that, that you were happily wearing blinders to everything that's going on outside in the world. And now you're uncomfortable that your bubble's been popped. So fuck you. Yeah. And and and, and the crazy thing is that they will go back and build the same build the same bubble again. You know what I mean? Because their grandparents and parents went through these between the fifties and sixties. They saw the civil rights movement. They saw the dogs being thrown at people in Selma, Alabama. You know, they saw the assassinations and the bombing of churches. They saw the water, the water hoses being being turned on against the black folks protesting. They saw the 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 sit-ins in, in Raleigh, North Carolina. And, you know, they saw all of that shit. And once civil rights act was passed, once the voting rights was passed, oh, we solved racism. Let's go back to doing the same shit again. Yeah. So there's something that Mrs. Obama says in, in one of her tours, uh, the tour of her book is that, you know, she, <laughs> she says, these people keep thinking that, Black people are the ones who run down their ne- their neighborhoods, and they don't realize that it is white folks moving away <laughs> when we arrive, when we start coming in. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. then then it no longer becomes like you can't create an affluent community in when people who are moving up the ladder arrive, and then you get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you simply want no part of them. And so what can, what will happen now is that, of course, redlining starts in a community that was perfectly mixed economically, racially, becomes a black neighborhood. So businesses move away. Banks will no longer <laughs> give mortgage to anything but black people and tax the fuck out of them to buy a home in those areas. And next thing you know, the schools are underfunded because everybody moved their ways. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. James Baldwin says in one of in one interview that segregation may have ended in the sense of white school black schools, but people chose segregation on their own after that. 
because yes, you absolutely. they didn't want to hear what they didn't want to know what's going on beyond the wall. And the idea exactly. that, well, I just didn't know. Well, you didn't know because you put a wall, you know. Yes. So it's it's let's let's talk about this a little bit more because this is what all this episode is going to be about. Kicking and streaming, of course, is about movies and streaming and in in series, but also this week, particularly podcasters around the world, around the United States, have made an effort at integrating whatever their point of discussion, whatever the topics, integrating that into speaking out about what's going on around America. And so we have today decided to to put our grain of salt in that respect. And uh, today we are talking about seven movies. And of course, there's plenty more, but we are specifically talking about these seven movies that will help you to learn more about black history, about racial injustice, and about racism in and of itself. This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. So with that, Jocelyn, we should start by saying hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming. My name is Graham, and with me on the other side of Skype is the fantastic Jocelyn. Hello, Jojo. Hey, how you doing, Graham? <laughs> ah, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. You've heard the rant, so... <laughs> and this is going to be sort of a ranting session. And I'm eternally grateful that you are uh, a friend who can lend an ear to to me in these times. So uh, I'm, I'm thankful to have you as a co-host. I'm thankful to have your friendship, yours and Jeffrey, because... Uh, Jeffrey has been going on on Twitter, man. <laughs> so that is a fantastic thing. Yep. Um, uh, I, we are both very happy to have you in our lives and have you as a friend. And uh, that's that's more than words can say. Thank you, Jojo. Thank you very much. So as we mentioned, we are today talking about seven movies to learn more about uh, racism in black history. And this is not an original idea of ours, I should say. So I want to have to give credit to where this whole issue comes from. I found this article on uh, HuffPost and it is written by Todd Van Lullen. And uh, I was reading through it this week and you know, uh, you will remember, Jojo, I forwarded the article to you and I'm like, why don't we go ahead and put this out? <laughs> yeah. Because I think it's good. I think it's good to talk about it. I think those movies are on point. But more than anything else, I think Hulu, Amazon Prime, even Netflix have done quite a great job at compiling a very relevant movies and series in this particular topic and they are all available throughout this time so don't stop at these seven movies please so go ahead and do that 
Yeah, and I I wanted to say too for for folks for folks who don't have uh, access to net, Netflix, Amazon, or Hulu, the Criterion Channel. Which, if you're not familiar with the Criterion Project, they are amazing. They work very hard to preserve classic film, important film, documentaries, and that sort of thing. But for this month, they are making movies that are about the Black experience and about Black Lives Matter uh, completely free. You don't need an account or anything to watch. So if anyone is interested in that, I'd suggest trying to check out the Criterion channel. It is a streaming service, but they are making these movies available for for completely free. There's there's no strings attached, no signing up for a, you know, a one-time account or anything like that. So, yeah, let's get this party started. I think the first movie here and actually right before we started this podcast episode, I I was watching this movie. And James Baldwin, <laughs> James Baldwin is one of these dudes that I wish could have lived forever. Because mm-hmm. I I feel like if there were, if there was any ability to upload someone's brain, like you know the the episode we had last week was upload. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely want to upload James Baldwin. Maya Angelou, Bob Marley, (laughs) 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 Nelson Mandela, Toni Morrison. There's a number of folks that I would definitely always want them to live forever. And Mm -hmm. so the movie in question here came out in February of 2017, February February 17, 2017. And it is called... I am not your Negro. And so just to go on the premise about it, it's filmmaker Raoul Peck uses an unfinished James Baldwin project about Medgar Evers, Malcolm X, and Martin Luther King Jr. to tell a story about entrenched racism in America. All three men were close friends of Baldwin and were ultimately assassinated. But I think for me, the most important thing is the fact that while talking about men who existed in the 50s and 60s, this film, on the other hand, uses and juxtaposes photographies and footage from that era and today, and nothing has changed when you look at the violence and the the racial injustice that has been perpetrated on black people uh, in America, you don't see any change at all. We are still out there protesting the same things. <laughs> and so that tells a story that is in itself amazing because from the last almost 60 years ago, to today, we're dealing with the same problem. And it is not a different version of the problem, but rather exactly the same problem. So this movie is available on Amazon Prime and is directed by Raoul Peck. And it is narrated by Samuel L. Jackson, which if you've ever watched anything 
on with Samuel L. Jackson in it, and you've not heard motherfucker, uh, this is like the very first thing ever. Because like this one, you couldn't believe actually that Samuel L. Jackson doing this. Uh, you're next, Jojo. I'm up next. Yeah. So the the next one is a Netflix movie. It's called Thirteenth, and a, a filmmaker Ava DuVernay made this one after she made the Martin Luther King Jr. movie Selma. Um, so she made a documentary about a clause in the Thirteenth Amendment that allows involuntary servitude if it's punishable for a crime, which this isn't anything that. And again, to my shame, this isn't anything that I knew about. So essentially, this is about the United States, of course, disproportionately imprisoning black citizens, which if, unless you've been living under a rock, you, you should know about that. But again, often for questionable crimes and questionable sentences, but these actions have created a jailed black workforce. So involuntary servitude is slavery. And uh, I did not realize that that was in the Constitution that that you could have a slave if it was a punishment for a crime. So I am not thrilled to learn about that. That doesn't make me feel like a good feel good um, <laughs> at all. Kind of makes you feel sick. But this movie is on Netflix. Um, it is also available on YouTube if you don't have Netflix. This movie is from 2016. So uh, it's been out for a while. We we should have known about it, or I should have known about it. So, yeah, this particular amendment, the 13th Amendment that abolished slavery, but also instituted slavery as a form of punishment of a crime, has not been much talked about at all, has it? <laughs> you were... I was totally unaware of it, and I, I don't consider myself the most educated person, but I... I would consider myself as educate. I mean, you know, I, I've tried. Yeah, I mean, Jojo, you 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 right up there, man. I mean, don't 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 sell yourself short at all. So, but the thing is, we have to blame the American education system for doing a a very poor job at you know narrating American history except for when America goes to war and, and kick ass. <laughs> That's as simple as that. Yeah. But if, if you would like to know more about this to our, to our listeners, after you watch this documentary, if you'd like to listen to a bit more about, uh, listen a bit more about this, if you'd like to know further about this, there is a very good podcast episode this week on one of my favorite podcasts, these two young people, uh, one of them, her name is Rond Abdel Fattah, and the young man, his name is Ramtin Arablui. And they they have a podcast on NPR called Throughline. And what they do with this podcast is that, and it says is that in the tag name, they go to the past to, to understand why things happen in the present. And this episode, they talk about the history of, of policing in America. And they have a historian whose name I don't remember, who creates the perfect connection between 
the idea of black criminality to police violence against black people and also the 13th Amendment, that, that fault in the 13th Amendment. So mm-hmm. that podcast is called Through Line. It is from NPR and it is hosted by Rond Abdel Fattah and Romtin Arablui. So listen to that one and it will give you some very good information about the 13th Amendment. So the next movie we are talking about is actually available on HBO's various services. And uh, it's called Notes from the Field. Anna Devere Smith wrote and performed this one-person play about the school-to-prison pipeline. Smith based the story on over 200 interviews with those involved in this system, which disproportionately sends young black children to jail. The play also features real-life footage on the stage that depicts police brutality against children. Again, you will find that on this film on HBO, uh, if you like, if you have HBO Go or HBO, what's the newest HBO again? HBO X? What the hell is it? I believe. I believe so. <laughs> like I'm, H- I'm... HBO something else. Yeah. Uh, you'll find it there. And it's one hour and 30 minutes. Another Vera Smith is a, I mean, this lady is fantastic in everything she does. And when I'm watching something where she's with her in it, I can't take my eyes off of her because she's so good she's so real she's so raw that you know i'm like keep talking please just keep talking (laughs) yeah yeah sure um so notes from the field you you can get it from hbo's youtube channel you don't need a subscription or anything for that one and then her play about la riots of 92 starting the week that this podcast airs um, is going to be available also um, for free online. So we got some, some history there about 92 riots. Yes. Rodney King. Um, yes. You know, yes. so Twilight Los Angeles is what that one's called. And starting the week that this airs, that will be available for free online. So if you, if you watch, this one and want to know a little bit more then you can uh, do some research there and watch her other projects uh she's a she's a maryland girl so ah <laughs> so does she put all bay on everything she eats <laughs> I, she probably I, she may i don't know <laughs> by the way this is something that having worked with you for so long I never learned about Maryland people <laughs> until I actually worked with Ronnie. So I'm I, I'm pretty sure that that's not everybody Maryland things. <laughs> no, I, I don't put old bear. <laughs> <laughs> Let me catch you doing that. Though. <laughs> Crabs, yes, but like everything else, yeah, no, no, and 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 you just put it in the water that the crabs boil in. So like. 
whatever. No, so, my yeah. dude will be eating a salad and eating some all bay. <laughs> yeah, I think that's called trying too hard, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> Let's let's move on to the next one. <laughs> so we have crime plus punishment, or maybe crime and punishment, not quite sure. This one's on Hulu. It is a documentary, and this is about the racism in the New York Police Department. And it is, I guess, sort of, what do they call that, behind the blue line? Because the story is following Black and Latino cops who are attempting to stop racist policing quotas. Yeah. And it shows that the NYPD will arrest minorities without cause to meet their performance requirements because they know that these people don't have the resources to fight tickets or really do anything other than get run through the system. So this one is on Hulu. It's from 2018. And yeah, I that should be an, an interesting view from the other side, from maybe some cops who are trying to change the system from within. But that is, I don't see that ever happening, unfortunately. I've got too much cynicism for that. Yeah, I mean, it's important to remember that these cops, they get blackballed and they literally get forced out of the force for taking a stance. And so we we often we we often ask ourselves like if there are good cops why is it that we see all of these things happening? And the few good ones they some of them thinks they're good just because they don't perpetrate the kind of violence and abuses that other cops perpetrate on 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 minorities and I suppose that is a version of being a good cop, but also as you know, the measure of a good person is not what they don't do, but rather what they do in the face of injustice. Right. Yes. And so, yeah, while that is a version of, of, of being a good cop, the idea is that you do not allow shit to happen on your watch. And I'm sure that the other four, the other three officers that weren't kneeling on George Floyd's necks thought, I'm not the one doing it. And perhaps they think that they're not complicit to George Floyd's murder. But hell yeah, they are. Because <laughs> that's as simple as that. So as you said, Jocelyn, I don't have faith that the system itself can be fixed by cops, but rather by a complete and total overhaul of the system. Yeah. And so when other cops don't see everybody else as the enemy, when when cops stop that mentality of us versus them, yes, that is what is going to create a different outset. Otherwise, that shit is, is not going to. No, it's not. I, I I mean, it's the kind of thing that needs to be burned to the ground and start over. Yes. I, I <laughs> When the foundation is rotten, when it's built on shaky ground, you you know, tear the house down, you burn the house down, and you, you move to a different place and build a newer house. Yeah. And you, <laughs> you don't build it on a sand pit or in the swamp. 
And I just don't think the system is so corrupt and people are so corrupt. There are, of course, good people. There are, of course, good people who want to do the right thing, who are trying to do the right thing. But if the system is set up to oppress anybody who speaks against the quote-unquote norm or the quote-unquote quota, quota, then nothing is ever going to change. It will not change. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> it is as simple as that because don't be under the illusion that police brutality is actually a new thing. Don't be under the illusion that it's only been happening you know, from the last few years. Police brutality has been there, especially, especially against black people from the beginning of policing. Because it is important to remember that policing became formalized not too long ago, but policing was literally civil militias, right? Yes. Yes. And it was basically a legitimate form to terrorize and keep black population under the black population under control. And as a matter of fact, it was also a way to keep immigrant populations under control. So (laughs) so it's important to remember that too. That's why there is the same racist connotation between a northern cop and a southern cop because up north they might not have been the southern races you know lyn- black lynching shit but also they were committing atrocities against immigrants they did against the italians until the italians organized and started like literally owning them with la cosa nostra they did it against Poles, they did it against, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you have to ask yourself, how is it that there is a huge tradition of most Northern cops being of Irish descent? Mm-hmm. Being a cop was the way Irish immigrants earned their white card in America. Let me say this again. Irish immigrants who were despised, who were fucking discriminated against as much as black people, they earned their white card by becoming, by, by policing, by get, becoming cops. By, yep. They entered acceptance into white society by doing that. So yep. don't be fooled. There is not a question of Southern cop. It's not a question of no. You will find that shit everywhere because yes. I hate to generalize, but it's the same system. It is the, the same, same system. system. Yes. I, I, I think of it this way, and I, I, I hope this isn't inappropriate, but I'll, I'll just throw it out there. If a system is known for cultivating and if not outwardly encouraging then silently encouraging racism or violence or inappropriate action towards citizens then the people who enjoy that sort of thing are going to find their way into that system much along the lines that you are going to find 
pedophiles working in whatever system they can get near children. That is exactly right. Yes. So you're going to find pedophiles working at schools. You're going to find them working at pediatricians' offices. You're going to find them in positions of authority in... Like a coach or some shit, yeah. Coaches in churches. Yes. Anywhere that they can get near someone who is vulnerable, a child. So... Again, that's that's kind of how I think of it is in the sense of this system encourages violence and racism, even if it's uh, outwardly, you know, uh, of course, outwardly schools and doctor's offices and, and, and churches and, and everyone is going pedophilia is bad. But but at the same time, there's going to be a whole undercurrent of, well, these this I'm going to find my way into what I can exploit my own carnal desires you know i'm going to be accepted because i can you know i can be a racist and be a cop because they're going to close ranks around me and i'm going to be okay exactly i I mean if you if you realize that just see what just happened in buffalo that the an entire force i think 57 people resigned from a unit because Two cops did something that was totally wrong, but how dare you, how fucking dare you criticize it? How dare you even thinking about suspending them? Oh, we're all out. <laughs> you know, it's it's a system. It is yes. It is yes. Basically, imagine if organized crime had the legitimacy of the state. <laughs> yeah. Simple yeah. as that. The mob. Yes. Yes. So yes. if you are one of those, if you've given us, doing, done us the favor of listening to this podcast and you like this podcast and so far you've enjoyed all the pleasantries that we've put out there in how we try to stay out of politics, which we don't. We always end up hitting up some (laughs) points. But, you know, if you're a Blue Lives Matter person and shit, we're cool if you don't want to listen to us anymore because (laughs) fuck you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's good of the conversation we had earlier. The customer is not always right. Fuck the customer. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like we have uh, we have sponsors that you can call and tell them to stop sponsoring <laughs> us and shit. Yeah, no. So, so, so. Yeah. Jocelyn yeah, and yeah. I, we do this because we like it. We love it. You know, we like to put it out there, and you know. Uh, we've do- we've been doing this for a year and a half now, and we still enjoy doing it, you know. So, yeah, we're not going to notice that you you're not listening anymore. So, yeah, again, let's 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 just put this out there. The next movie we are going to talk about is called Against All Odds: The Fight for a Black Middle Class. This one hits uh, close. The the journalist Bob Herbert created this documentary about the often doomed pursuit of the American dream for black families. The story focuses on how much less wealth black families tend to have compared to white families and why that's the case. 
The film is part of a series called Chasing the Dream, which reports on poverty, jobs, and economic opportunity in America. One of the reasons why this is, like I said, this this hits close to me is because when the terminology of white privilege started to become a part of the popular lingo, the pushback that we got from most white people against white privilege was they interpreted it immediately as though, I was raised poor. I didn't have anything. What the hell privilege are you talking about? I don't have any privilege. And I found myself at least breaking it down to white folks in my family (laughs) as to what exactly we mean when we talk about white privilege. In that, yes, you may have been raised poor. You may have come from a poor family. But at the end of the day... (laughs) When the two of us go in search of a job and we both qualify, you have a higher percentage of getting that job (laughs) than I will. And if I get the job, it's because somebody somewhere is trying to cut budget and pay me far less than they would have been willing to pay you. And and this is one of those things that people people don't seem to understand in, in privilege. You see what I mean, Jocelyn? Like, um, some things have been done for so long in a certain way that they can seem to fathom that some people find there's something wrong with it. <laughs> you know? Right. Like, when people rail against political correctness, all I see is a fucking racist whining about not being able to to say, to call black people darky or whatever else they call them. You know what I mean? Yes. (laughs) And so the idea of the fight for a black middle class is that there's racism, but entangled in that racism, there is also an issue of class. And so it's sometimes a bit exhausting to having to explain this thing to people. But it is not necessarily because they choose to view it in a racial way, but it's rather because that has been the norm to them and they've never questioned why this is the norm. People have lived in all white neighborhoods all the time and they've never figured out why is it that we don't see a lot of black neighbors. But we'll we'll talk about the connotation of racism in a couple of minutes. Let's continue with this with these movies. What do you got? Um, let's see. So we have Rodney King. This is a Netflix production. Roger, is it Guinevere Smith? Guinever? I'm terrible. Roger Guinever. 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 Okay. Roger Guinever Smith report performs this one person show about the life of Rodney King. The Los Angeles Police Department beat Rodney King nearly to death on March 3rd, 1991. Smith's spoken word performance focuses heavily on the aftermath of the event, telling the story of what the country expected from King. This was directed by Spike Lee. It's from 2017. It's actually less than an hour. And uh, 
interesting to see what the country expected from King, from Rodney King, as opposed to what the country expected from the people who nearly beat him to death. Yes, yes. I, I was talking to a friend this week about this in in exactly those expectations. And it's it's almost as if when you've been victimized, white America gives you conditions to which they are going to just accept your grievances as long as you express them under those conditions. And so if you remember this week, I posted this juxtaposition of opinions of Laura Ingram as to when <laughs> when she said that LeBron should just uh, shut, shut up and dribble when LeBron talked about racial injustice and justice reform back in 2017, I believe. And when Drew Brees was the object of some backlash for saying, I will never understand or side with anyone who disrespect the flag because, you know, my two grandfathers fought in World War II. And when I stand there, all I can think of the sacrifices they've made. And Laura Ingraham's response was, well, he has the right to an opinion. <laughs> that's, that's the difference is that, you know, white racist people are always ready to tell black people, shut up and know your place. You're lucky we let you live here, <laughs> you know. When yeah. when what's that little salty blonde name that always shouting some shit on Twitter and and on Fox News? The the young one, the little oh. alt right one, Tony, Tommy, 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 Tommy Lauren, some shit. I blocked her name out. Uh, I remember once she made a piece about ball players and, and, and footballer, football players that were protesting and says, yes, of course. Yes, you can stand against the flag that gave you millions of dollar contracts and made you rich. And, and I'm like, is she crazy? So she's basically saying, if in this country you can make millions of dollars for the skills that you have, that they can only extract the only thing they see value in you for, we should shut the fuck up because you're making money, right? <laughs> and yeah. so those seem to be the expectations. So obviously when I see George Floyd's brother talking and telling people just, you know, let's be peaceful. Let's go home. Let's do this. Let's do that. <laughs> I, I have mixed feelings because I know what this guy is going through. But again, I also can see that he is saying and doing what is expected from him in the hope of getting some justice. And I think this is, uh, this is a good film to watch so people can understand. What is it that you can't say to folks I know you have a right to protest, but there's no but. <laughs> there's no but. Because yeah. if you have a but to that sentence, that means you've not been affected by those things that compels people to protest. So uh, forgive me, I'm, I'm sure you have something to add. No, <laughs> um, I 
I do remember when this all happened. I remember seeing the videotape. I remember how horrifying it was for how brutal it was because they did nearly beat him to death on camera. I think this was one of, if not the first times that that had happened, that there was a camera available to to show this. And the idea that they would do that to someone who was, the idea that they would do that to someone period is horrifying, but the idea that they would do that to someone who was already on the ground, who was no threat whatsoever was horrifying. I was I was young when this happened, but I just remember being shocked yeah. by the brutality of it because it wasn't it wasn't something that that you were immune to at that point. Uh, it was it was as I said one of the first times that we got, ever got to see something like this. Yeah. And sure you'd heard people talk about it and you know you knew that cops were dicks, but yeah. <laughs> when you when you saw this it was it was just kind of seared in in the memory. Yeah. And and it didn't for me have anything to do with him being black or or white or anything in in my memory. I mean, I I just I just remember the brutality and thinking how could you do that yeah. to to a human being? Yeah. How how you know, how I, I how could you do that to a dog? How could you do that to yes. an animal? I, I I don't know how anybody progresses from that point to to doing it to a human being yes. who is who has done nothing to you personally. You know, they haven't they've done nothing to you personally. This isn't a personal vendetta, not that exactly. that would excuse it. But I mean <laughs> yeah. I I, I I will never understand, and um, but I do remember just the images of that video are still still in my head. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. Is is it, it takes you to asking yourself, what the hell could someone possibly have done to you to get that kind of rage? Yeah, and. Whatever happened to the oath you take to protect and serve? Yes. Like, unless you, in your mind, in the moment you take that oath, even though the oath, the the words to the oath doesn't say to protect and serve except black people, except minority, but you say that in your mind, I guess, like to protect and serve. To protect and serve who I think deserves it. Exactly. Then then there's no there's no there's no way to explain any of that violence. No. You know? And I saw something, I think it was a tweet this week, and I loved it because it perfectly explains some of the things that we've been saying. You know, like the idea that, you know. First of all, I'm tired of explaining to people that Black Lives Matter doesn't say anywhere that other lives don't matter. But that's that's besides the point. But uh, this this tweet said something about when you tell us not all cops are bad, you should turn back and tell cops, well, then not all black people are threats to you. Yeah. (laughs) You, You know, I mean, like. Yeah. 
Like, okay, you can take the time to tell me that not all cops are bad, but where are you? Where's your campaign trying to tell cops, listen, listen to me. These folks, the majority of them don't carry a gun. The majority of them have been fucking house trained to show you the utmost respect and obedience so that they can preserve their lives. Do you, I've had this conversation with Jamal, with my son. Keep your hands where you can be seen. Don't make any sudden move. If they ask you for your license and registration, before you go to your pocket, tell them exactly what you are doing. Right? Yeah. I would not have had this conversation with him. If I had raised him anywhere else, that wasn't the United States. Yeah. And I'm not saying that there's no police brutality elsewhere. Yes, there is police brutality elsewhere. But I was saying to a friend the other day, when I was 19 years old, when I was my son's age, I found myself on the streets of Berlin for the first time ever outside of the Caribbean. The first time I ever traveled outside of anywhere in the Caribbean. And I knew to be scared of skinheads that was rampant at the time in the 90s in Berlin. I knew to be scared of them. But at the same time, I knew that there were certain bars, there were certain places I shouldn't go into. Simple as that, right? Mm -hmm. But I never felt that I should be afraid of stopping a police officer and ask him, and Schuldigunsprechensi English, and ask them for direction. And the same happened in everywhere else. I lived for nine months in Switzerland, and I never felt, never felt threatened by the presence of the police or by any police, for that matter. And in England, yes, there is racial profiling. Yes, there is. Yeah, they will stop me <laughs> faster than they stop some white English dude. Yes. But I'm pretty sure that I will not get a bidding or a bullet to the skull. So I don't think they're allowed to carry guns in England unless they're, you know, yeah. special forces and, and on a case and actively know all of the suspects and things like that. Like your typical... Yeah, on the beat cop. Uh, that I don't even know if they have batons anymore. I feel like they took that away from them. I'm not sure. Yeah, they, they, yeah. There's there's no such thing. <laughs> and by the way, by the way, there is no high number of, of uh, cops, cop murders in 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 those countries either. So the whole idea right. that if a cop if a cop is not armed to the teeth, you know. They are the ones who'll get who'll be, who'll be victimized. Is 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 strictly American. Yeah the the idea of fitting out, kitting the out the police in in essentially combat gear. I mean, they're buying tanks and things like that. Yeah. is horrifying. Militarized police. Yes, yes. that's just what yes. it is. Militarized police. Yes. yes, yes. It's supposed to be the whole thing that uh, America was. Uh, against you know the, mm -hmm. the 
the, the police and the government. The right to bear arms is supposed to be about uh, defending yourself from a a government that's that's going to do what the government happens to be doing. So exactly, exactly. But all of those gun loving Second Amendment loving people that you know were afraid that Barack Obama was taking their guns, they have nothing to say about what Donald Trump has done in the capital of this country this week. They have nothing to say about that. The fact that the president has threatened to turn the U.S. forces against its citizens. So, there's that. (laughs) The next movie we're going to talk about is The Black Power Mixtape. This documentary resurfaces found footage of interviews conducted by Swedish journalists Uh, with members of the Black Power Movement. The film gives snapshots of different facets of black culture, from activism to artists. These old interviews are combined with archival uh, footage from the period and contemporary commentary from people such as Erika Badu and Questlove, who also has a scoring credit. This movie is directed by Swedish director Joran Olsen, and it's from 2011. This movie also can be found. Uh, is that a Netflix thing? Um, it's it's it's, it's uh, up for rent. You can rent it, but I don't think that it's available to stream on any of those other platforms. Uh, yeah, it looks like it might. It's available on YouTube. Okay. Um, it is available on YouTube to watch, and looks like PBS. Is is sponsoring that independent through independent lens, so it it is available on YouTube. So there you go, Joran Olsen, and the movie is called The Black Power Mixtape from 1967 to 1965. This is an intense talk, and I'm sorry if I personally come across sounding angry, <laughs> you know, but. This is a time to be angry, and the anger should not only be on my part. And so I hope if you listen to this podcast, if you're a regular listener, if you're just stumbling upon this this podcast, I, I hope you are at least disturbed by what you're seeing, what's going on. And, but I hope you don't just do as has been done before and just said things like, but we don't know what happened before the video started. The fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter what happened before the video started, before someone started filming. The fact of the matter is, people in this country are afforded representation in court. We're not saying that the police does not have the right to arrest people. We're not saying abolish the police. We are saying reform the police. We are saying that a black person's encounter with the police should not be a death sentence. And you shouldn't have anything to say against that. Jocelyn? Yeah, I, no one should 
ever have to be afraid that a police officer is going to hurt them or kill them when they, whether they've done anything wrong or not. You're sure you should be afraid of being arrested, perhaps, but just the idea of being systematically slaughtered just because someone decided you were a personal threat to them and this someone is someone who took a vow to protect and serve, someone who took a job knowing that they could die in the service, but they decide that they don't like you or they don't like what you're doing and that you're a personal threat to them and they're just going to take you out is is horrifying for an American citizen, for anybody, for a human being. That's not how life should be. That's not the idea of having to live your life in fear is 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 disgusting. That is as simple as that. It is disgusting. And so we are going to end this episode. We hope that you will find time to watch these films. We hope that you learn something from these films and we hope that these films will motivate you to take some action. So also we would like to ask you, of course, to follow us on social media. Uh, we are on pretty much every platform except for LinkedIn. We don't do LinkedIn. <laughs> but we are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. You can find Jocelyn on Instagram as... Jocelyn Podcast. And I am too on Instagram. And I am the Graham Pierre-Lewis, Mr. Putzeta, M-R-P-U-Z-Z-E-T-T-A. Also, we have a website. It's www.kickinginstrumentpodcast.com. You can find all of the archives of our older episodes and um, would like to hear what you have to say if you would like to give us a rating on any of those apps that you use to listen to us google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, spotify anywhere subscribe listen share tell other people about us and keep coming back thank you very much for listening today for me and for jocelyn this is goodbye Thank you.